how you can receive healing from God. And I want to say that again because everybody needs to hear this. How you can receive healing from God. I've got uh, some books out of the bookstore that I want to show you. Keys to Scriptural Healing by Brother Hagen. He's the one I cut my spiritual teeth on. Things he taught me. He's been in a lot of his services over the years. And then I got to, I'll let my Mexican friend just give me a pronunciation again. <laughs> He's real Mexican, isn't he? <laughs> anyway, the reason, reason we got that is because we want the people in the Hispanic community to be able to get what we've got. There's a lot of good churches, but all churches don't teach the strong word like we do. And uh, that's called God's medicine in English, in case you didn't understand what he said. <laughs> it's God's medicine. And you know something else that I, we briefly mentioned? We're going to be starting a Hispanic service in Jesus' name this year in Victory Hall. And, and uh, we've, got, we've got some different things in position now. We're working on it and praying about it for years. But things seem to be coming together the last few months. We'll be getting that service going over there to minister to the Hispanic community. And I want to say it again. I love all churches. I love all Christians. But all pastors don't teach the strong stuff we do in some of these areas we do. And, you know, like I heard a man say at the first pastor conference I went to back in April 1981. That, well, that's been a long time ago since I went to a pastor's conference that first one had it. <laughs> Woo! Anyway, like I heard a man say, it always stuck with me said all the churches are good churches. He says, but it's what some of the churches aren't teaching that will get you killed. And so the stuff they teach, if it's the Word of God, is good, but the parts they leave out that you don't hear about healing, don't hear about protection, don't hear about your finances, how to, how to stop the devil stealing your stuff, that's the part that will hurt you what you're not hearing. What you're hearing is good, but I know that I was talking the other day to thank my family, that when I grew up, I went to a Baptist church. It was the biggest Baptist church in Indianapolis. A really good church. Man, I got tired of getting saved. <laughs> what do you mean? I mean, every week, they sing the good salvation songs, come as just as I am, you know, just all there without one plea. And, I mean, I, I, was, I, was a young, I was a young boy, and I gave my heart to Jesus. But every week, man, they start singing those songs. And if nobody went up, they keep saying, say, we're not going to quit until somebody comes up here. Man, I sit there just crying and think, oh, I love Jesus. <laughs> oh, oh. And then three or four old women come and grab me by the shoulder and drag me up there. We pray again. And, and so they wasn't teaching me other things I needed to know. And so how many times could a guy get saved? <laughs> you know, so salvation's good if you've got a church full of sinners. And we preach salvation born again all the time. But if you've got a church full of people that are already born again, you don't need to get them born again again. You need to grow them up so they help somebody else get born again. Amen? And so that's what I say for the, for the Hispanic community we have, such a large one in this area. I want to be able to teach them what it means to tithe and have God rebuke the devourer for them. I want to show them what it means to say no to sexual sin and let God bless their unions. I want to show them how to forgive their brother seven times 70 in one day. And walk in love and forgiveness. I want to show them how to lay hands on the sick in the name of Jesus and see them recover. I want to teach them how to cast out demons so their family can get delivered. Amen? And so that's why we want to have another service because a lot, a lot, of, our, a lot of our population is that. We want to help them. Amen? So how you can receive healing from God? Look at Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. Somebody said, what's a Hosea? Well, like Pastor Dave said this morning... Is after such and such and such and such. I have a Dr. Bark T. Barclay study Bible, so mine's on page 1226. 
So if, if you got that, and it's always good to look at it yourself with your own eyes when you can, because we're t- looking at how you can receive healing. And I want to show you things tonight that if you haven't got them yet, you will get them from the Word of God, the area of healing. Hosea chapter 4, verse 6. <clears throat> and, you know, I, I like to say this. I learned this phrase off Brother Hagin, and it's so true. Really, we need to say sometimes, the Holy Spirit said through Hosea. The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write the epistles. And so we're reading Paul's writings, but it's God, the Holy Spirit, talking through Paul is in writing. I like to read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's God talking through these men to us. And so here's the Holy Spirit, who's God, talking to us. And here's what God said. He said, my people, not the devil's people, not the people of the world, my people are destroyed. Why? For lack of knowledge. For lack of knowledge. And we're going to be talking about healing tonight. And, uh, you know, when I, when I teach on communion the first Sunday of every month, by the way, we'll have communion next Sunday. We didn't have it this morning because it was a different kind of Sunday. It wasn't family Sunday. But uh, when I teach on communion, I teach the Lord of God in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. He makes this statement that for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many die young. Many die prematurely. He said, among you. He didn't say for this cause in the human race, a lot of people die uh, before their time. And for this cause, a lot of people in the world are sick. He said, for this cause, among youth, talking about Christians. And the phrase he's talking about there covers a couple of things. But one of them is, he says, they don't discern, discern the body of Christ. Discern means to see or understand. They don't understand that when Jesus took our sins, he took our sicknesses. They don't understand that when, when Pilate had Jesus scourged, he took 39 stripes on his back. As prophesied Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 and 5, those stripes were going to be for the healing of the human race, for people to be physically healed. They don't understand that. They don't discern the body of Christ. They don't see that not only did he die for sins, but he took stripes on his back. So First Peter 2.24 could say, by his stripes ye were healed. By his blood, by his death, by his resurrection, we were saved. But we've got to receive that salvation by faith. We've got to say, Jesus, I believe you died for my sins. You were raised from the dead. I believe that in my heart, according to Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. And I confess it with my mouth. So therefore, I'm saved because your Bible, the Word of God says to do that. And then also the same way you put on healing. Lord, I see your Word says in 1 Peter 2:24 that by your stripes, when I was saved, I was healed. I received healing in my body because I see that, Lord. You did that for me. You see what I'm saying? And that's when people get born again when they see on the inside that I need a Savior. He died for me. He's my Savior. They see that. So they get saved. A lot of people hear that, but they don't see it, so they never get saved. But when you see it, you get it. And that's the same thing as about healing. We need to see as Christians what the Bible says about divine healing. Now, for this cause, we are sickly among you. And so what do we do among us? Number one, we teach the Word of God on healing so they can discern the body of Christ, that that body that hung on the cross took stripes on its back, so we're healed. Now... You've got to understand there's two bodies of Christ. That was the physical body that died. That was the physical body that took stripes. That was the physical body that went in the grave, was resurrected. And that's the glorified body in heaven. But the New Testament teaches us, says, you are the body of Christ. Now, we're the spiritual body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. First Corinthians chapter 12 says, some of us are eyes. Some of us are hands. Some of us are feet. 
Some of us are different parts of the body. We're the body. And so the way you discern the body of Christ today is this. Pastor Dave hit on this morning about the love walk. If you don't discern the body of Christ and recognize that when you're treating Christians wrong, treating Christians mean, like in Acts chapter 9, when Saul of Tarsus was going around hurting Christians, Jesus came down and appeared to him and said, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? Well, he took it personally because we are his body. He said, Saul, he said, every time you're taking, you're taking out of one of these Christians, your, your, your wrath and your indignation, said, I'm taking it personal. And if you don't stop it, Saul, you're in trouble. And so we have to understand, now get this, this is for husbands, wives, dads, moms, and children, and everybody here that's breathing right now it belongs to Jesus. My wife, uh, Pastor Janice, before she's my wife, this is God's daughter. And so if I want to be mean to her, I can be mean to her. It's going to come a point in time, God's going to say, hey, that's enough, you're abusing my daughter, I'm not going to take it anymore. Somebody said, well, it's my wife, it's my husband, I can do what I want to. Well, if they're bought by the blood of Jesus, you can do it so far. There's going to come a point in time, God's going to say, that's enough. I've taken care of that. Same things goes for parents that are abusing their kids. And you may not be physically hurting them, but if you're browbeating them all the time, tell them what a loser they are, what rugrats they are, and all the goofy stuff I hear people say about kids. You keep on doing that long enough, come a point in time, you're going to lose it only God in your life. Because you're abusing his kids in a way that you're hurting them and not helping them. You need to start treating your children, first of all, as their children of God before they're your children. And then the same thing about parents. You know, there may be some of you that are adults now, and you may have parents that are still living. Well, Ephesians chapter 5 tells us that we're to honor our parents in the Lord. He didn't say when you're a kid. He said if you're you're 60 years old, your parents are 80 years old. If you're 80 years old, you got a 100-year-old dad and mom, you better honor them. As your parents of the Lord said, that it may be well with thee. Thou mayest live long upon the earth. And so anyway, we're talking about divine healing. That he said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We've got to start understanding how God looks at us as Christians. Understand what God says about divine healing. And I'll tell you, in modern times, one of the worst things I've seen happen to hinder Christians for healing is a man called Mr. Google. Mr. Google's got a big, uh, a small G by his name. God's the big G. He's the big God. Google's the little guy. Amen. And what do you mean by that, Pastor? Well, I mean, all I have to do is look at Facebook and see what people have Googled on Facebook. They got a diagnosis, something happened, like Mike just had surgery, a little bit of surgery in his thing there. Well, Mike looks at the Bible. He'll see how God can speed up the healing process. He looks at Google, he'll go down. Somebody gets a diagnosis, uh, and the doctor said, well, there's a 50-50 chance that this is what's going to happen to you. Well, they're looking at the 50 on the negative side, on the Google side. Look on the God side, and God said, hey, I already healed you. By his stripes, you're healed. And so, see, that's what I say. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. It's not lack of knowledge of knowledge, because the world has knowledge. It's lack of knowledge of what God says. And so we need to get more God knowledge than world knowledge. Now, let me ask you this. If you want knowledge of God, are you going to read Spider-Man to get knowledge of God? How about Star Wars? Don't put down the Star Wars people, but how about Star Wars? Are you going to get knowledge of divine healing by studying Star Wars heroes? Are you going to get knowledge of God by learning all statistics for the World Series over the last few years? You know, it doesn't make any difference. Wikipedia. 
wherever you go to, you're not going to get knowledge of God. There's only one book in the whole world written that's going to give you 100% absolute knowledge of God. It's called the Bible. And so for Christians, for Christians to really get a grasp and understanding on divine healing God's way, they have to go to God's textbook. God wrote this with amen. There have been a lot of wonderful books written. We have a lot of books in our bookstore that are based on the Bible, but your best secure knowledge of what God wants to do for you in your life is right here. Amen. In the Word of God. So let's go to 3 John, verse 2. 3 John, verse 2. Talking about my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And so I, yeah, I guess the opposite on the other side of the coin would be this. My people win by gaining Bible knowledge. If you, if you lose by lack of knowledge, it's the opposite of losing winning. And where are you going to get the knowledge at? The Bible. It's the 3 John, verse 2. The Holy Spirit, through the Apostle John, said this, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest go broke and die young. He said, no. See, that's the way the world thinks. We're talking about the negativity of the world. That's what the world says. The world says there's not enough money. Somebody's got to be poor. It might as well be you. The world says there's only so many pieces in the pie. But you know what the world don't tell you? Jesus had only so many pieces of fish. So many loaves of bread. Well, this is all the bread and fish we got, so with this is God, you guys are done. He said, give it to me. He laid hands on the bread and the loaves, and he blessed it. And so there may be only so many pieces of pie in the pie that you're seeing, but Jesus said, give it to me, and I'll multiply your pies. Amen. So in other words, I want to say it this way. The world says somebody has to go down to lift somebody up. Jesus said, I already went down. I was lifted up said, if I, if I be lifted up, I'll draw them in unto me. And so we got, see, this is called changing your thinking. Think like God thinks. God doesn't limit it to one pie per family. God says, hey, give me your pie, and I'll multiply your pies. Have plenty of pies. And then he even said this in Luke 6, 38, said, give it away. I'll give it back to you. Good measure, press down, shake it together, run it over. Give your pie away to get more. Amen. See, I'm telling you how God does this thing. And so we got to start looking to healing through God's eyes the way he says it. God, God uh, you know, I, I think about Lazarus. Anybody ever read the story of Lazarus, the man that died? Lazarus died, and people thought it was over, and Jesus said, no, let me get involved. And Lazarus came back. Jesus raised him up. And so in our lives, no matter how serious the diagnosis, it may be a marriage, maybe a financial thing, job thing, whatever it is, Jesus said, I am the resurrection. Whatever it is in your life you're looking at, if you're not relying on God's knowledge, then the world's going to tell you it's dead. It's over. It can't be brought back. But Jesus said, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Amen. And so we've got to change. Amen. We've got to change our source of information. And I want you to see this. He said, Beloved, I wish above all things thou mayest prosper. That prosper means to cause to succeed especially economic success, to flourish, to thrive. But we're not talking about that. Now we're talking about the healing part. And to be in health, even as thy soul prospers. Even as thy soul prospers. Now I want to explain this verse to you so you get a hold of it. Your spirit being, when you got born again, your spirit on the inside got changed immediately. In a moment, the twinkling of an eye, you turned from darkness to light on the inside, from the nature of the devil to the nature of God on the inside, but your soul is your mind, will, and emotions. That's a part of your being that's it's in you, 
but it's not your spirit. Your soul surrounds your spirit, and your spirit has to communicate through your soul. I'm talking right now through a renewed mind is why all these different things come out of me because my mind, we're going to look at subversive, my mind has been transformed. I don't have blockages to stop me from saying, with God, nothing shall be impossible. Give me a real quick testimony, fresh testimony. Last night, my wife and I were at Foster Freeze. Anybody ever heard of Foster Freeze? It's the place where you eat ice cream at. Anyway, we were there getting an ice cream cone, called our order up, and when I got to get my ice cream cone, it's never happened to me before, and in Jesus' name, it never happened again. But I would stand something in my knee popped. And when it did, my leg wouldn't work. And so I drug my leg up there like I had a wooden leg. I thought, man, I don't like this. But with my renewed mind to the Word of God, all I did is got my ice cream, go back to my table. I set them down, and I said, don't eat yet. Got to lay hands on myself. I said, the devil's trying to do something to my leg. I laid hands on my knee. And I release the power of God in Jesus' name on my knee because I'm trained this way by God to do these things, take authority over things. And when I laid hands on my knee, then we prayed over our meal and we ate. We got up to leave the table a little bit later. was walking out the car. My leg still wouldn't work good. I didn't think I was going up on the curb. They got a high curb, went like that. I got in the car and I said, thank you, Jesus. Your word says in Mark 16, verse 17, 18, lay hands sick, they shall recover. I want to thank you. I'm recovering, getting better and better. And the devil's throwing pictures at me. Of all the different people I've known over the years in their 60s had this knee replacement surgery. You know, that's fine if you want knee replacement surgery. You don't know anything else. I know something else. I know healing and health. And so I said, thank you, Jesus. Getting better moment by moment. We got home to the house. and kind of drug it around a bit to get in the house. Thank you, Jesus. I'm healed. Well, we sat down for a little bit on the couch, watched a little television. And when we got up, I just walked man. Everything's totally normal. Totally normal. Amen. Amen. And why is that? I'm not destroyed by lack of knowledge. I know what the Word of God says. Oh, I've got some scriptures to get to. I've got to tell you one more story, though. Back in 1986, <laughs> that's a while ago, isn't it, I guess. It not seem that long ago to me, but 1986. Has anybody ever seen a flatbed steel truck going down the road that's got big pieces of steel on it and chains go across it? And these things called boomers, these little things look like big ratchets that hold that steel down. Well, anyway, I got a job driving for a company in 1986, and I had to get down to the steel warehouse at uh, like 7 o'clock in the morning, and this guy that drove all night brought a load down from Fort Wayne, Indiana, to where I was in Indianapolis, and we got down there to this steel warehouse. They had to take these chains off to get some steel off for the warehouse, and I'd take the load and go on, and I was a brand-new green guy at this. I hadn't had that first time I ever drove a steel truck for that company. And so I'd only been there a couple, two or three weeks and just barely had the job, man. I was still on probation, a brand new thing. And they had this great big tough guy. I mean, great big old macho tattooed guy, had the kung fu mustache and boozer type guy that rolled the sleeves up like that to show his mom on the shoulders, you know. They got different tattoos. Now back then, they either, they either had, had love on one hand, hate on the other, big mob tattoo, <laughs> or born to lose on their hand. That's the tattoos in Indiana back then. Anyway, this guy, you get a picture of the guy. Great smoke Marlboro cigarettes, you know, great big old tough guy like that. He, I think he was half Native American. He had long black hair and looked like an Indian. And so, I mean, the guy was great big giant. Like, anybody ever see Lurch? The guy's a great big tough guy like that. And so, anyway, I'm getting to a whole point about this. And so we had these, these chains. When you put these chains on these trucks, they had a lot of tension in them. And to get them off, to get them off, it took, if you put them on too tight, it's really hard to get them off. And so I'm standing 
at the back of the truck. No, no, it's at the front. Yeah, I was in the front of the truck. And this guy had got it. I was up on top of the truck with the steel up there. And all of a sudden, this guy bragged to me about how when he get put this, he wouldn't put them off the tights so the guys couldn't get them off. He's kind of said kind of a macho guy. He said he'd get a great big pipe and jump off the side of the truck and pull them down real hard. So these little skinny guys that still warehouse couldn't hardly get them off. I was up on my truck, and I saw this little skinny guy, got a pipe and stuck it on the end of this ratchet. And I'm up there. I see him going <laughs> like that. And all of a sudden, I went, "Hey, if that breaks loose, it's going to hit me." <laughs> I said, "Hey, don't do that." Right when I said that, thing popped loose and flew through the air like a missile and hit me in the leg. Hit me in my clutch leg for the truck. Semi. They got some pretty stiff things. And so when he did that, all I'm thinking about is I haven't had a job for a while. Jobs were scarce. I just got this minimum wage truck driving job. I thought about a little Dave. I didn't want Dave to go hungry. <laughs> I thought about my, my children and my wife. And I thought about paycheck, brand new job, and that guy hit my leg. You can imagine a piece of steel fall through the leg, hit you right there. And man, I mean, it, it probably broke it. It did something. Whatever it did, what it did, I mean, my leg just wants to go down and not move. And so, you okay? You okay? Well, because I'm so highly trained in divine healing and confession, all I did was lay hands on my leg to hold my leg together. And I said, yeah, everything's fine. Let's just get this done. And I made myself stay still so I wouldn't watch what I said. Got off the side of my truck. I got my truck, and my clutch leg wouldn't work. So I held my leg and made the clutch go in so I could get out of the place. I drive down the road, and when I had to shift, I just made my leg work. And I just thank you, Lord, that anointing's working in me, anointing's working in me, anointing's working in me. And by the time I got to my next stop, things were working again. No after effects, no side effects. Because I take Jesus at his word. He said, believers lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. I'm a tither. He rebukes the devourer for my sake. No way I'm going to lose a brand new job over somebody else's dumbness. Amen. That's a free story. That just slipped in there. But what I'm telling you is this. I believe what he said, above all else, wants me to prosper and be in health. And sick is not health. And that health right there, that health right there, like I said this way, is prosper and live in divine health. And let me tell you, if you don't know this, you might want to write this down. There's a difference between divine health and divine healing. Divine health and divine healing. Divine health means you just don't get sick. You stay well. You stay well. You don't get sick. You just don't get sick. For the most part, most of my Christian life, I've lived in that divine health. I've had some things slip through a few times, but I know how to get them off quick. So that's divine health. You just don't get sick. Divine healing is this. If you get sick, God will speed up the healing process. You know, if a cold comes in, viruses come in, that kind of stuff hits people sometimes, God will speed up the healing process that comes in. Or also divine healing means this. If you get a terminal diagnosis where they say, get your papers in order, you're not going to be around another six months, God will heal terminal illnesses. That's what divine healing is. Or if you've got chronic illness. Chronic illness is something that you've had that's not going to kill you right away, but all your life is miserable because you have to live on medication and treatments and things like that. That's called chronic illness. It doesn't kill you quick, but sure makes life miserable. That's what divine healing is. God will put healing in your system to get that out of you so you don't have it anymore. Amen. So that's divine healing, divine health. But notice he said, even as thy soul prospers. That even as comes from a mathematical equation, just like something equals something. 2 plus 2 equals 4, but 
3 plus 1 also equals 4. And so this is the equal sign. So even as equal to the prosperity of your soul will be the prosperity of your health. And so the next question would be, well, Pastor, if that's the prosperity of my soul is going to cause my health to prosper, how do I prosper my soul? I'm glad you asked that. Come back next week for part two. <laughs> is that what you do, Jesse? Man, you give them the thriller and keep them coming back. Now let's go to Romans chapter 12. Hey, man, is this helping anybody? Hey, man, I want to help you. You know, I tell you, you know, th- these stories, when I give testimonies like that, I'm not making those things up. That's absolute real stuff. You know, last night when that happened to me, the picture cut in my mind from the devil was this. Here you have this big day tomorrow. You got this all promoted, and everybody's going to come out there, and you're not going to be able to come up to the pulpit and do it all. You got to sit in your chair and say, oh, this is a nice service. I wish I could stand. Guys, this is real. We're in a spiritual warfare. Satan wants to take us out whatever way he can. And for a preacher, he'd love to take my mouth out so I can't tell anybody anything. Or if he can't do that, take my legs out so I can't get up and do anything. But praise the Lord. I belong to Jesus. His word belongs to me. And I choose to believe his word. Amen. So I'm not going to be destroyed by like it. Romans 12, verse 1. Verse 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren... By the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. You, not God. God is not going to present you. You have to present yourself. How do you present your bodies? Well, I think about uh, the military. I guess think, think, think about Jacob. You guys ever, they still do stuff called roll call? Uh, does the sergeant come or the officer come and get you out of bed? I'm going to present you for roll call. Or say, Jacob. Roll call, and you present you. <laughs> you present you. God says, don't forsake the seven saints together. God presents you. God is not going to send the pastor to your house to get you out of bed. God's not going to send the pastor to your house and say, hey, you better go to bed early tonight. We have churchy tomorrow. It's going on, going on 1130. Let me tuck you in. Go to bed. Put that Game Boy up. Or whatever they, I never did one by life. Don't they ever call that? They don't do, I, I don't know. 30 years, I don't know. I did, did one. Well, whatever. The Uzi's, what do you call those things? What's that little Sega, 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 yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. The pastor is not going to come to your house and say, Jesus told me to come and tell you, turn the light out. Go nighty night. We have church tomorrow. Nighty night time. Now, Jesus expects you to discipline yourself to know you have a church service coming, or on your job, on your job, whatever it is, if you're able to get off on time for a nighttime service during the week or something like that, he expects you to know instead of saying, oh, man, Saturday morning. Wouldn't they say that, that, that preacher friend, the pastors was going to come? Was that yesterday? Oh, man, I was doing the... I was playing war games, and I could have been there for the real thing. God said, present yourselves. Present your bodies. Holy, acceptable unto him, which is your reasonable service. And the modern translations say spiritual service. As I said, present yourselves. And so you present your bodies. But then this conjunction and connects us. And be not conformed to this world. But look at this here. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. 
be transformed. I'm not talking about a transformer. They still got that around? I saw some kind of transformer cartoons before or something the kids did. Transformer, okay. This is not that transformer. They didn't say go play transformer. Did they play it? Whatever they do. Anyway, be not conformed to the world, be, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove was that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now, let me tell you about the word transformed. It comes from the Greek word uh, metamorpha. You ever heard the word metamorphosis? That's what a caterpillar turns into a butterfly. That's what a tadpole turns into a frog. And so he said, we're to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Transformation is a process. Transformation is a process. It took how many years? Well, for me, I was 28 and a half years old when I finally gave my life to Jesus all the way. I had 28 and a half years of world. All I knew about was death, sickness, poverty, broke, fear, bad luck, Murphy's Law, nothing goes right. If somebody's going to get it, I will. Somebody's going to lose, I will. There's going to be a family on the wrong side of the tracks. It's mine. We're not going to make it. Can't make it. We don't have no good luck. All we have, bad luck. That's all we got. And so I had to go through a metamorphosis. I had to turn. I had to turn in my mind from being a tadpole into a frog. I had to change from a caterpillar into a butterfly. My chain, My mind had to get transformed. It didn't happen the first year I was saved. It didn't happen the second year I was saved. But I was making progress every month. Making progress every year. For the first, I, I, when, I, when I was looking this afternoon, looking at my notes I had for tonight, I realized that. I was about three years old when I married her. I'm talking about three years old spiritually. You know, because I, I don't go by earth years. I go by spiritual years. You know, I'm getting ready to turn 36. And so, it, anyway, I was think, thinking about her. When I married her, I was three years old. And I still didn't watch TV or read anything much for years. The kids around, you got a little bit going on. These guys didn't get to watch much of anything because we just didn't do it. But for my first, I'm talking about my transformation process. For my first several years, I rented an apartment off this old woman, lived upstairs in her house there. There's a TV set there. I took the TV set and I unplugged it, turned it over against the wall. They don't have, they have like they have a great big box TV. So I took it, I spun it around on the wheels, put it up against the wall, and I unplugged it. And so I didn't watch TV for the first several years I was born again. I didn't watch movies. Finally, it's only been, I'd say, within the last maybe four or five years, we started going to the movies, watching movies now, where we go watch the movies. We'll see something on TV and tell the kids about it. Oh, that's 25 years old. I said, wow, we just saw it. That was pretty good. We'll see shows that are 20 years old and just see them because I took the Bible literally and I did not want to be conformed to the world. And I say as a religious thing, I'm saying it as a winning thing. I saw my family lose. I saw my family being gangsters and thugs and really bad guys, drunks, dopey type people people that hurt people, mean people in my family. People in my family did all kinds of wrong things. I had bootleggers in my family and lots of different things in my family. And I saw what my family was like, and I knew I had a different dad, and I knew I had to change how I thought. And so I saturated myself for years. I didn't read newspapers, didn't watch television. I knew what was going on in the world because, I mean, if you're out of the world with people, you know what's going on. I mean, I knew all about the latest diseases because that's what they talk about. I knew all about the latest crisis around the world because that's what they talk about. 
and all about the latest fears people had. That's what they talk about. But when I went home, I was all the time changing, being transformed, 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 transformed in my thinking, to where my mind was being transformed from thinking like a loser to start thinking like the Bible. And by the time that happened, that's why it's so quick to me. If something tries to get on me, my hands move quick. If I feel pain in my chest, if I feel pain in my stomach, I feel pain in my head, if my ear does something, my eyes do something, I immediately, I don't think, oh boy, this is bad. Those thoughts come. But what I, like I told Mr. Pastor, I said, I know what just tried to happen. This is getting out of here now. I've got myself transformed. It says, be not conformed to this world, be transformed. And so my mind thinks like God thinks. Something got on my kids. That's why when Pastor Dave got that leukemia and crippled, he would never even went to the hospital except I taught a healing school with a doctor. I, the church was a big church, and so low-level truck drivers could hang out with doctors because that's, you know, you've got a congregation of people. They see each other in Christ. They don't see high-level, low-level, black, white, or they can just see people. And so Dr. Marvel was a cancer doctor in the, in the, in the complex where he ended up being at. I was carrying him in the bathroom, went to the little bathroom there at the church, little bathroom, big bathroom. Man, they had a whole lot of urinals. <laughs> but with all the guys lined up against the wall there, and I'm carrying little David, holding him up there, he's in the bathroom, and Dr. Marvel, John, what are you doing? I said, he can't walk. What's going on? I said, I don't know, he's healed in Jesus' name, so we got hands laid on him. And so he said, let me look at him. So we took care of business and turned around, and he looked at he said, He said, let me see his eyes. Looked at his eyes. Looked at him like that, did a little poking rat on him, you know, because his legs were spaghetti. He couldn't move. <clears throat> so he said, I want you to take him up for prayer at the end of the service. And Mrs. Landry, my pastor's wife and minister that day, said, if she doesn't tell you, give you a word from God that he's healed, I want you to go to the doctor tomorrow morning. And I said, I'm in between jobs. I don't have any insurance for any doctor. He said, I want you to take him to the doctor. I don't care if you got an answer. I said, I'm talking about your boy dying or living. said, if she doesn't tell you God healed him now, you get him to the doctor. And so that's how dip we was in this thing. We didn't play games with a lot of natural things. And so we did all that stuff. And, of course, after he was diagnosed in the hospital two weeks, he's totally healed anyway. The doctors saw that. But we went through the system. And, you know, one thing about that, in the archives down in Indiana, the medical system for the Children's Hospital, they got his testimony now uh, archived by the doctors and and. Uh, you know, confirmed by doctors what he had, what he got, and the prognosis for all those years he went back for treatments. But the whole thing I'm saying that I'm so transformed in my mind about sickness that those things don't compute. And in saying these things, I want to make sure I put this out here again. I was such a Bible fanatic, I went a little bit in. I was all the way in. I didn't have a family when I first got in. And so I was able to spend all my time 24-7 reading the Bible, listening to cassette tapes, going to church every time the doors were open, and when the doors weren't open, they were wishing they were open. And so don't anybody try to do what I did. You follow Jesus, get all the word in you, you've got for where you are for your faith level. We're not at all, not at all, not at all opposed to doctors or medicine or anything like that. If I need a prescription, I'll get it. I need a doctor visit, I'll do it. But I'm so saturated and still in that that don't compute with me. The first thing I do is what's the word say? First thing I do is, what does God say? First thing I do is, God's my healer. Jesus is the one that takes care of me. He does that. But then if I need a doctor, I'll go to the doctor. Amen? And so just don't get something like this in you. Well, the pastor said, don't take my kids to the doctor. No. 
You take your kids to the doctor unless God tells you don't take your kids to the doctor. Then you better make sure you're hearing God. If your kids are sick, they need a doctor. You better make sure you know the voice of God. Amen. Does that make sense? Amen. And so anyway, uh, we need to be transformed in our minds. And so then the next question is, well, Pastor, you answered that last one. How do I prosper my soul? Well, you'd be transformed in your mind. But then how do I do that? I'm glad you asked that. Come back next week. <laughs> uh, okay, you guys look hungry enough. Go to Psalms 1. Go to Psalms 1. And what we're talking about is how you can receive healing from God. How you can receive healing from God. The whole thing we're talking about is you receiving healing from God. And I think it's safe to say the number one point we've made is this. You will never receive if you're ignorant. He said, my people are destroyed because of ignorance. He said, your soul needs to prosper. Your soul is your mind. He says, your mind needs to change. And so if you're going to be a person that seriously stays healed, that seriously can get healed if you need it, you have to be a serious person about getting your mind changed. And so Psalms 1 tells us how to do this. Blessed is the man that lives totally by the counsel of unchurched people. Blessed is the man that hangs out with sinners all the time. Blessed is the man that sits in the seat of scornful people. You know what scornful people are? I don't know if I ever looked up that definition because God told me what the definition was years ago and I wrote it down. A scornful person is one that murmurs, complains, and whines about everything but does nothing to change anything. And I just make out my own statement right now. If this is flesh, forgive me. I would say that includes 80% of the politicians. Murmurs, whines, complains about everything, does nothing to change anything. Says, this is what we ought to do. This is what we ought to do. This is what we ought to do. Everybody else is wrong. We're right. Get us. Well, you know what? A lot of the people in your families on your jobs, they murmur. They whine. They complain about everything, but they don't even vote. They don't do anything to change anything, but they do that. And so he said, blessed is the man that doesn't hang out with the whiners and the complainers. Now, he didn't say... They would stay away from people. See, as we move on to this next verse, I will make sure we get this. We can't witness to people if we're not around people. But what I found out in my life as a Christian truck driver, I was around sinners and other same people enough all day long as a truck driver, man. When I got off work at 5 o'clock and I was back on God's time for me, I didn't have to hang out with them all night and listen to stupid stuff. I got paid to listen to it in the daytime, but at nighttime I didn't have to do it on my own time. Somebody said, well, I kind of like hanging out with those losers. Well, maybe that's why you're still losing so much. Well, you know, I kind of like hanging out with I don't like hanging out with church people. Well, then you're violating what the Bible says to do to be blessed. It said, blessed is the man that don't hang out with these kind of people. I went to family reunions sometimes. I went to other functions sometimes. You know when those times were? When I knew in my heart God wanted me to go because I knew... That if I started going back to that old life, hanging out with those guys again, I'd start getting pulled down again. I didn't want to go down again. I wanted to go up again. And so I made the choice that God knew more than me. And when God said, bless the man that hangeth not out with these kind of people, I quit hanging out with that kind of people. Somebody said, well, but, pastor, not goats, but, sheep's bad. Well, but, pastor, sheep's go bad. You know what bad means? Well, in, in, in King James, that means 
Amen, Pastor. Amen. Amen. Good preaching. Good preaching. Amen. Bible talks about sheep, goats, and wolves. Goats say, but. Goats butt up against us. Anybody ever had goats besides us? Back then, we had goats at the time. Yeah, Tom had, uh, Mike's had goats. Anybody else have goats? Do you know what goats do? Goats will do anything. If you've got a rope around your goat's neck and you don't watch it, it'll hang itself. They do so many wild, dumb things. You've you got to watch out. They will butt in your butt. We had our goats, and with our goats, if you've had goats, you find out you don't turn your back on goats. Goats will do anything. They butt. And so sheep are easy to work with. Goats are hard to work with. That's why the Bible talks about don't be a goat, be a sheep. And so how can you tell if you're a goat? Well, when the pastor says things like this, challenge you, you go, but pastor, here's what I believe. Well, you're saying that. You're saying, but I want to go this other way and live how I was living. I don't want to go the bah, good preaching route. <laughs> I'm having too much fun tonight. Amen. I better watch out. If I get all the fun out of the church, Dr. Barclay gets he won't have much. So I better slow up a little bit. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> verse 2. You don't hang out with that kind of people, but to be able to grow in your knowledge of God's Word for divine healing. But instead, your delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the Word of God. And in His law, does He meditate day and night? In His law, in the Word, do you meditate day and night? And... What that word meditate means, if you don't have this written down yet, meditate means to ponder by talking to yourself. To ponder by talking to yourself. The Hebrew word denotes an active recitation or re-speaking of God's word. That's why still to this day in my private study time, I read the word of God out loud. Because I meditate in the word of God. I read it out loud. You know, my word level is so high that a lot of stuff I read, I've studied for years and years and years and years, but I keep doing what the Bible says to do. In the morning time, I go over. Did you notice for the scripture read for January, I gave you Proverbs? Because this is the way to start the year. See the wisdom of God in so many areas of life. Proverbs of day, one, two, three, four, five, whatever the day of the week is, day of the month is, that's the proverb you're on now. Today was Proverbs chapter 3. How many times have I read that? How many translations in the last 36 years? I don't know, hundreds. What am I doing this month? Well, besides the other studies I'm doing, I'm meditating. I'm reading out loud Proverbs in my Bible. I can show it to you, but in my Bible, in Proverbs, I've got yellow, I've got red, I've got black, I've got stuff circled, lines going all over the place there about things about life. What am I doing? I'm meditating the word day and night. What am I doing? I'm transforming my mind. I'm still changing. I'm still getting built up. I get myself where I want to be because above all else, I want to prosper and be in health. I don't want to die before my time. I don't want to end up in some nursing home or some hospital or some hospice care. I want to keep preaching till I'm old enough that I want to move to heaven and that I want to move to heaven in a healthy body. I want to someday when it comes time that I'm ready to go, God's ready for me, I'm ready to say, okay, Jesus, is there anything else I can do for you, sir? Abby says, no, well done, thy good and faithful servant. I say, if you don't mind, then, Lord, just let me go to sleep. I'll see you a little bit. That's how I want to go. I don't want to go hooked up to machines and wires and needles and dopey medication. I walk in and I say, 
Now, what's your name? Don't I know you? I, I, I think I know you. I saw my mom die of Alzheimer's. It's no fun to go in and talk to your mother. Have your mother look at you and say, you're the little boy who lives downstairs, aren't you? And just start crying and say, boy, my mom don't even know me anymore. And so we're redeemed from that kind of life. I am going to stay saturated with the Word of God. I'm going to continue with my Second Timothy 1.7 sound mind. I'm keeping a sound mind. I'm keeping a physically fit body. I'm going to live my life right. But the number one defense is the Word of God consistently meditating in that Word day and night. To have my mind totally transformed. I don't think sick. I think health. I don't think dying young. I think living long. First thing I see, I was talking to one of the church members this morning at the end of the service. They've been going through some things. And I said, how are you doing with this thing? And this person said, well, I have good days and I have bad days. I said, oh, okay. And as a pastor, I watch myself. I talk to people. I always judge what level somebody's at before I talk to them. And so I looked at this person when they said that. I said, am I your pastor? The person looked me in the eye and said, yeah, you're my pastor. I said, can I help you then? Yeah. I said, Quit saying you have good days, you have bad days. I said, start saying the good days part. You're not ignoring what's going on, but you need to change this. You speak to the mountain, tell it to be removed. You don't say, mountain, you're getting bigger, you're getting badder. You say, mountain, you're removed. I said, if you want to keep having bad days too, keep on saying bad days. If you want things to start changing, I said, I can promise you based upon the authority of the words of Jesus. In Mark chapter 11, verse 23, Jesus said, you'll have what you say. So I said, start changing what you're saying. Start saying, I have good days. And if you catch yourself, if you're talking to somebody in your job, they ask you what I just asked you, how you doing? Instead of saying, I have good days, I have bad days. Say, I'm having good days. Amen. Amen. And what are we talking about? I'm talking about my mind has been transformed. I went through metamorphosis. I want to say it again. It didn't happen in one year. It didn't happen in two years. It was a process. Little by little by little by little. By little, by little, by little, my mind got changed to where now my mind thinks like God thinks. God said, what should prosper be in health? And so I agree with God. Amen? Amen. Let me, okay, we're uh, coming up on our time. But let, let, let me do this. Let me give you some scriptures that I'll look at a few of them. I just wrote these down just out of a multitude of scriptures. There's a whole lot more. But I've studied divine healing ever since day one when I got saved. Write these down, and this is some basic scriptures you can meditate upon yourself. Start reading, and with your other Bible studies, you do start looking at some of these every day. Ex- just write this down, then I'll look at maybe two or three of them. Exodus fifteen twenty six. Exodus fifteen twenty six, and basically what that says, if you live for God, do right in His sight, He's the Lord that healeth you. That was one of His covenant names. He had seven covenant names He identified Himself to Israel with. And that covenant name was Jehovah Rapha. Jehovah Rapha. And that meant the Lord that healeth thee. And when I taught healing school back in Indiana for years, I'd look at that all the time to people. I'd say, does that say the Lord that killeth or the Lord that healeth? And see, what am I talking about? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Some Christians, when things get on them because they've been taught wrong, they don't know if God's trying to kill them, if he's the one doing it, making them sick. Or if he's the one that wants to heal him. And so I'd look at that verse. And you know when I change words like that sometimes get your attention. It needs to get your attention. Did God say I'm the Lord that kills you or I'm the Lord that heals you? 
Amen. He is our healer. Exodus 23, write this down. Verse 25 and verse 26 says, If you'll serve the Lord your God, he'll bless your bread. That means your food. Bless your water. That means what you're drinking. Whatever liquid you're drinking. We'll be drinking beer and whiskey and stuff like that. That's going to bless your beer and whiskey. But if you're drinking iced tea, whatever, iced tea, milk, lemonade, whatever it is. And let me just put this out there just for whatever it's worth. You know, I, I never heard of this milk intolerance thing come out the last few years. God's the one that Timothy tells us made everything to be received with thanksgiving and prayer. If you've got milk intolerance or your kids do, start praying, confess the word over that their body receives that, etc., etc. Because milk's not supposed to be a deadly thing. It's supposed to be a good thing. And so things can change. And I'm saying again, this difference between being conformed to the world, being transformed by your mind, when you start realizing that these things that God made, I'm not talking about modern things that put all kinds of poisons in to try to change things. I'm talking about basic food things, that your body's supposed to be able to receive food because God says it is. Amen? So you need to start confessing things, changing things. He said, I'll bless your bread, bless your water. He said, I'll take sickness away from the midst of you. He said, there'll be no unfruitful or barren wombs, and I always call that in my family, no abortions and miscarriages in my family. It says, that the number of thy days I will fulfill, that means long life. Number of thy days. Somebody said, well, you know, our days are numbered. Well, you're right, Goofy. He told Noah, man's days will be 120 years. Well, you don't know how many numbers, how many days it's supposed to be. I do. I read my Bible. Psalms 90 when they were in the wilderness under judgment, Moses said, people are getting tired of dying at 70. said, they ought to get at least 70 or 80 even under judgment. See, even people living a carnal life, God said, 70, 80 years is a good life. He told Noah 120 years. And so this time, well, you don't never know. Well, you're goofy. What am I saying that for? I'm saying that because there's a lot of Christians that say what the world says. The world doesn't know. Well, they got cancer, you know, live the best can be expected. Well, for world thinking, the best can be expected. I believe that we're redeemed from cancer because the Bible says so. I'll show you a hundred scriptures on that just if we want to sit down and talk for a while. But the thing is, what am I saying? My mind has been metamorphosed. It's been transformed. I'm not a caterpillar anymore. I'm a butterfly. I think like God thinks. And then uh, another good verse, Psalms 103, verses 1 through 5. It says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is in me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeems thy life from destruction. Pastor, you sure are quoting those verses really easy like that, like you're not even thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it. It's my thinking. Matter of fact, I learned that passage in the federal courthouse in Indiana back in April of 1981. I was on a federal jury, and that Psalm 103 is what the Lord had me studying every day while we were in between. We couldn't talk about uh, the case. So in the jury room, I sat there, Psalm 103, learning those verses every day, in and out, in and out, out, in and out, until I got it in me that, wow, that's my benefits. He's forgiven me. He's healed me. He's forgiven me. He's, he's redeemed my life from destruction. He crowned me with loving kindness so my youth is renewed like the eagles. Somebody said, well, that was 1981. You remember that from then? No. I've read it probably thousands of times since then. I meditate in it. I talk about it. I read it. 
I think about it. I go to bed thinking about it. A lot of times in the daytime when I read my Bible, I think I'm going to go back and read some Psalms. I'll read Psalms 1, meditate the Word day and night. Psalms 103, benefits of serving God. Healed, forgiven. Amen. See what I'm saying? And what, 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 what's this got to do, if anything? My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We don't want to be destroyed for lack of knowledge. Okay. Uh, Psalms 107, verse 20. Write these verses down. Learn them. Psalms 107, verse 20 is a really good one. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. And delivered them from their destructions. He sent his word and healed them. He sent his word and healed them. Get a hold of this. Healing is in the word of God. He sent his word. And then on the other side of that coin is this. Jesus in the beginning was the word. Word was God. Word was God. He sent Jesus and healed us. But he and his word are one and the same. And so to the degree that you get the knowledge of Jesus' word in you is the degree that Jesus' healing is working in you. Amen. Is this getting too much? You guys handle just a couple more verses. Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. My son, attend to my words. Incline thine ear unto my sayings. Let them not depart from thine eyes. Keep them in the midst of thine heart. For they are healing to all your flesh. The word of God is healing to all your flesh. And that book I showed a minute ago that uh, Jesse told you in, 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 in Hispanic that is in English, God's medicine. It came from Proverbs 4, verse 22. The word of God is healing the medicine to all your flesh. And so when you take that word and put it in your heart by reading it out loud, healing comes from the inside out of your spirit then and brings healing from God. Amen. That's Proverbs 4, verse 20 through 22. And then Matthew 8. Just write down verse 1 through 17. Matthew 8, verse 1 through 17. Every day, pretty much, I confess Matthew 8, verse 16 to 17, says that he healed all that were sick. Jesus healed all that were sick, that it might be fulfilled, was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. Himself took our infirmities and bare our sicknesses. And when stuff tries to get on me sometimes, I'll say, well, Jesus, you took it. I'm not going to take it back, devil. You keep it. Jesus took it off, but I don't want it. You know, I was thinking about Lawrence. That's a nice iPhone. If I got the iPhone, I took it. He doesn't have it. Hey, man, he's a good new one. But in the area of sickness, in the area of sickness, get this. If Jesus took your sickness, why would you want to take it back? If he took it. Somebody said, well, how do I know he took it? Well, if you're going to take the Bible literally, Matthew 8, 17 says he took it. Amen. If he took your sins, why do you want to take them back? Amen. I don't want depression. I don't want cancer. I don't want diabetes. I don't want stomach ulcers. I don't want any of that stuff. Mark 16, verse 17 and 18, talked about a lot. He said, in my name, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. That's one of the signs of a believer. And so maybe that maybe you didn't understand. I said, lay hands on myself. Who's the main primary believer in my life that's with me all the time more than anybody else? It's me. I've got hands. And so that's why I use these hands to lay hands on myself if I need to. If I'm with Mrs. Pastor, I'll say, Mrs. Pastor, can barely lay hands on me and agree with me. But she's not with me all the time, but I am, and I've got hands. And so I found out that God is so true to his word there's healing in your hands as a believer. You don't have to be a preacher, but as a believer, there's healing in your hands. And somebody once again said, well, how can you say that? 
I didn't say that. Jesus said that. He said, you lay your hands on them. And they shall recover. In the last verse, I'm going to give you 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear my sins in his own body on the tree. I've been dead to sins. I don't have to sin because I'm dead to sinning. Dead to sins. Should live unto righteousness. And get this. By whose stripes ye were healed. By his stripes ye were healed. If you don't get anything else out of anything I've said tonight, just get this one statement I'm going to close with. Don't keep healing future tense. I'm going to get it. Start getting healing present tense. I've got it. Amen. If you're going to get saved someday, what if you die first and someday doesn't come, you'll be in hell forever. Don't get saved someday. And so if you're not going to get saved someday, if you're saved, well, the same verses say you're saved, say you're healed. Start changing what you're saying. Start confessing that once hands have been laid on you, I'm getting better moment by moment. Hands have been laid on me. Jesus said it. I'm healed. Praise the Lord. That's the way it is. Amen. Jesus said it. Praise God. That's how any of you can receive healing from God. Amen. 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 We are ready.